Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 25th pick in the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy. We've got a fun show for you here today because uh, this week we're not going to do our normal Saturday scouting and scout stories and mailbag or or even our infamous on-the-clock segment. No, instead, we're going to do our first live mock draft. And so it's going to be myself, Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler. We're going to welcome in our good friend Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. The four of us are going to go around the horn. We're going to cover all 32 teams. So even if your team does not have a first-round pick, we will talk about some players that have a fit. A couple of different ground rules here real quick. We just kind of split the teams up uh, evenly and you know, just kind of get it a little bit randomly here. But all teams are covered, number one. And number two, all these guys are picking with what they think the teams would do, not what we would do. So we were trying to keep that in mind when we made these selections. And also... We're doing this truly live. We did not do it beforehand and then roll out our picks. So uh, enjoy as we all kind of uh, uh, scoff at each other's selections and wish that uh, you know so-and-so had fallen to us later in the draft. But uh, we will cover all 32 teams. We're going to get into it right now for the start of this mock. All right, guys, let's just jump right in here as I welcome in Ben Fennell, Dane Brugler, Mike Renner. Guys, uh, excited for it. Dane, Ben, welcome back. Mike, uh, you've been on before numerous times, but excited to uh, bring you in here as we jump into a, a mock draft, our first live mock draft here for the uh, 2020 football season. Well, thanks for having me on, fellas. I, I see I get the Eagles here, which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> well, we figured we'd let you, uh, you know, since you're the guest here, we'll let you make the pick for us, but uh, I'll kick things off. And as I said at the top of the show, all of us have eight teams that we were given. Uh, we'll cover all 32 teams here in this mock draft. And uh, I drew the the fortune of picking the New York Jets. And look, this one's cut and dry, guys. I'm going to go with Trevor Lawrence here. Um, I don't think that this is really a difficult pick for Joe Douglas and for the New York Jets. Uh, go with the best player in this draft. Go with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, certainly, you know, There's no sure thing at the quarterback position, but feel pretty good about Lawrence's ability to both transition to the NFL and handle the spotlight of playing in New York City. So I will, uh, I will give it to Trevor Lawrence, number one, to the New York Jets. And number two, I guess, is on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't know how much room we're leaving for comments or analysis, Fran. You just want to keep moving to the next pick Yeah, here. Let's, just, let's just jump right in. If you guys, listen, we're going like Wild West. So if you guys jump in on it, if you guys feel the need to jump in on anything, uh, do it. But otherwise, let's, uh, we'll keep it moving here. All right. Well, two, Jacksonville Jaguars could have a new regime in here by the time the spring hits. Right now, Doug Marone, Jay Gruden, uh, man in the offense. But it's no secret we need a quarterback. We've had Gardner Minshew, Jake Luton, Mike Glennon start games. I'm going to go with BYU's Zach Wilson. I think his trajectory is trending up to be the second quarterback off the board. First and foremost, his ability to be accurate consistently at every level of the defense, within structure, with added structure, and just the loose playmaking ability from inside the pocket, the arm angles, the ability to run improvisationally and get out of the pocket and scramble for some yards as well. You got to be able to create on your own in the NFL. You don't have these great picture systems anymore. Uh, you have to be able to you know, get yourself out of trouble and create when things aren't there. So I think Zach Wilson would be a great face of the franchise and a playmaker for the Jags. Can't clear his game doesn't worry you there? <laughs> haven't gotten to that tape quite yet, but uh, interested to dig in to see if they did anything schematically to uh, maybe tie one of his hands behind his back. No, How close was this for you, uh, Ben, between uh, 
Wilson and the other quarterbacks. It's incredibly close. And, you know, looking down the pipe here, a couple other picks, scheme base is going to be very, you know, a uh, big determinant on who the Jags are going to go with. So I'm not sure if maybe Jay Gruden is retained as the offensive coordinator uh, for 2021 or if it's a completely new regime after the season. But I think running that definitely determine the style, which Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, definitely different traits in a style of quarterbacking. All right, I got the Bengals. I think this one's pretty easy. I'm going to go Oregon OT, Penny Sewell. Uh, what they did to not protect Joe Burrow was you know, borderline criminal at the start of his career. Obviously, it backfired on them with him tearing, blowing out his knee. Have to address that. Uh, I mean, you already have a left tackle, but I think it's a problem that to have two of those is a problem I'd like to have from the Bengals. Was there any thought about going anywhere else, or is it like slam dunk, definitely Penny Sewell in your mind? No, it's definitely Penny Sewell in my mind. Just what he's – I'm sad we didn't get to see him this year because the fact that he was so young is, I think, the impressive thing. The guy was 18 years old at the start of last season. You just don't see 18-year-olds playing that well at offensive tackle. I don't know where his trajectory ends up, uh, but I just think that's a rare – he's a rare breed of OT. Uh, and I wouldn't pass on that if I'm the Bengals. So the L.A. Chargers, uh, I've got fourth overall, and they would have loved Penny Sewell in this situation for the same reason, to try and pr- protect uh, their franchise quarterback here in uh, Justin Herbert. That being said, look, there are a couple options here that I'd be thinking about. I think you look at the receiver position, certainly try and give uh, you know, the, 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 you know, give themselves a few more weapons there on the offensive side. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts, certainly a, an option there. Uh, Hunter Henry playing on the franchise tag right now. He's set to hit the free agent market again. But this team needs corners. And I think when you look at the cornerback market in this draft uh, right now, as we sit here today in early December, Really, there's two names, right? You look at Patrick Sertan Jr. Uh, from Alabama. You look at Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. As long as that – with what we know now for this defensive scheme with L.A., I think you look at Gus Bradley, you look at the size, the length they prioritize, the type of guys that typically have that level of success in that scheme. I'm going to go Caleb Farley here and kind of surprise a little bit and say that Caleb Farley is the first corner off the board just because of that potential scheme fit there with Gus Bradley in L.A. I'm going to make Farley the uh, the fourth overall pick in this draft. Uh, I like it. And you you actually took who I was going to take for the Cowboys here at number five. Uh, and it's a similar conversation uh, with the Cowboys. And that's, it's really interesting because – uh, when you look at it with the Cowboys, if, same uh, same conversation. If Sewell's there, I think it's done. Uh, the the Cowboys are not going to pass on, on Penny Sewell. They're going to try and trade back, but of course we're not doing trades in this uh, in this scenario. So what do you do? They need to go defense, and you know I don't know that any of the pass rushers uh, are. You know, maybe you think about it, but I don't know if they get you too excited. Maybe a Micah Parsons you think about, but, you know, same type of deal. They need corner help. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Patrick Sertan uh, with uh, Caleb Farley off the board. Patrick Sertan, I don't know that he's absolutely one of the top five players in this draft, but for the Cowboys sitting here at number five, I think it makes the most sense. Their cornerback uh, depth chart, a lot of uncertainty going into the offseason. Wuzier, Brown, uh, Jordan Lewis, they're all uh, free agents. Uh, why not, uh, you know, uh, uh, reconnect him and uh, Trevon Diggs uh, in Dallas? I think that works. I just got to hope they don't play the 2018 or 2019 LSU offense then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, digging back into the Alabama well, we know they feel comfortable taking, you know, DBs from that school after taking Diggs last year. 
That's right. And uh, I think when you look at what they like uh, with uh, length and, you know, there, there's some Byron Jones to uh, to Sertan. You see that a little bit. So I, I think he's a player that's going to be high on their board. All right. I got Philly and you guys made this one easy for me, I believe. I'm going to go Penn State linebacker, Micah Parsons. Uh, I think it's it's obviously high for a linebacker, but I think he's that good. And I don't need to tell you guys about the need at linebacker for Philadelphia. Interesting. So was there any thought, uh, Mike, on any of the receivers, Jamar Chase, you know, uh, Devontae Smith, or uh, were you just kind of sitting there waiting like, all right, it's going to be Micah Parsons here? Yeah, I'd love to go wide receiver at some point if I'm Philadelphia. I'd love to add to that group. But I think the difference between Jamar Chase and maybe we can get the top of the second round at Philadelphia compared to Micah Parsons, that linebacker, and who you can get the top of the second round linebacker. And it's a good linebacker class. But I just think Micah Parsons – uh, he's that three down, whatever you ask him to do, can do blitz coverage, play the run. Uh, another guy who, like I said about Penny Sewell, sad you didn't get to see him this year because I think he's just special in terms of what he brings to the table athletically. Man, we, we have an idea of what Mike's trending towards here. He's got two picks and two opt-out players so far uh, for Mike Renner. Ben, uh, you've got seven. You've got the Carolina Panthers. Well, the Carolina Panthers here with the new regime, Matt Rule, and offense coordinator Joe Brady. I don't particularly love the fit of Justin Fields here coming from Ohio State. I think Joe Brady wants a quick processor, quick decision maker, someone who's very accurate accurate and mobile. I don't know if that's Justin Fields. My main issue with him is his decision making and ability to process and get rid of that ball uh, on time, which I'm just not sure fits the Carolina Panthers. But Mm -hmm. we need a quarterback of the future here. I'm going to go with Justin Fields. I think he's too good to pass up at 6'3", 225, might need a little bit of a stylistic change. Does a lot of stuff from under center in that Ohio State offense. Maybe a little bit more of a point and shoot uh, in Joe Brady's system here. But he's a really intriguing talent. And if you need a quarterback and don't have one, you better go get one. So uh, it's a seventh overall pick here. I think that's good value. And Ben, my counterpoint to that would be, um, I, I think Matt Rule is really going to like Fields. Uh, just the when you talk about leadership, you talk about the confidence, the the, the cool that he plays with. I think that, I think Rule is really going to like that. And with Joe Brady, I, I mean, I don't know that you can really plan on him being there for you know the long haul. And so I don't I don't know that I'm necessarily drafting a quarterback that fits Joe Brady to a T just because. There's a good chance. I mean, even this offseason, we're going to hear his name connected to the job. So um, I, that, that would be my counterpoint to that. But I, I mean, I think you, you're absolutely right about the fit with Fields and Brady. All right. Well, uh, eighth pick overall, we got the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Mike, we're back to you. All right. I'm back on the clock here. This one, I would love, I mean, if getting a third wide receiver to go with those guys would be kind of incredible. But I think I'm going to go to defensive line, been the bane of their existence. Mm for Atlanta on the edge ever since Vic Beasley fell off a cliff. I'm going to go Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Ooh. I think the tools, what he's put together so far this season, uh, I think the trajectory only pointing up with him. Obviously, the freak, as Bruce Feldman's number one freaks lists. Uh, if he does run a 6-3-7-3 cone, I will poop my pants. As <laughs> I, I doubt that's real, but he really is a monster, even just watching the tape. And one of a handful of teams there in Atlanta that they, they've got a scheme change, not just a scheme change, but a, a regime change as well uh, in the front office. So tough to kind of peg exactly uh, what they're looking for. But uh, the addition of pay certainly makes sense to kind of, uh, you know, fight against the ghosts of drafts past there for Atlanta. Uh, any other thoughts on there before we move to number nine, guys? 
I was I was just worried that Mike was going to take uh, Jamar Chase there because that's that's who I'm taking at number nine. Uh, listen, that's for Miami sitting there. Uh, they need more playmakers. I, I don't think wide receivers necessarily stands out as uh, a huge need. You know, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant. They had a few opt outs. You know, Alan Hearns, guys like that, Albert Wilson. Mm. But you know, you're, they're looking for playmakers. Uh, you know, guys that they can pair with Tua and, and Jamar Chase. I mean, this, I'm, I'm just thrilled to see him still available here. Uh, to steal one of your notes, Fran, he, he plays like a smaller Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, very natural with his route movements. Uh, does a great job of the separation, that gear-changing acceleration that he has. And he's an elite finisher. Physical ball skills, uh, the competitive toughness is off the charts. So I'm plugging him in with Tua, and I'm feeling great about uh, what I've got cooking in Miami. And was there any thought, like at all, of it being Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, any of these other guys, or is it like because you're starting to see in mock drafts, Dan, like you know those guys start to take over there in terms of Chase, and it might just be like an out of sight, out of mind thing. But right. do you do you foresee any scenario where Chase is not the first receiver off the board? I, if we're talking about Miami, you can't rule it out. You know, for a team looking to recreate that to uh, to his former teammates' uh, magic, uh, you know, just recreating that Alabama connection, you know, you can't rule that out. Uh, but I, I, I mean, Chase, watching him last year, I don't know how he's not the top receiver. And I love Devonte Smith. I think Jalen Waddle is, uh, you know, one of the most explosive playmakers we've seen the last three or four years uh, enter the draft. All right, well, uh, we're going to the 10th pick here. Denver Broncos. Ben, you are up on the clock with Denver. Yeah, a couple of directions to go here. I think they have enough playmakers on offense. I'm thinking offensive line. Do we want to, you know, maybe upgrade Garrett Bowles? We need the future of the right tackle position. The other side, we need to get younger and more talented at the cornerback position as well. I think there's more offensive tackle depth. We're going to get that later. Mm. But a guy that looked pretty good for the Denver Broncos there at corner, Aqib Tlaib, is a guy that reminds me of a Dane throughout, and that's J.C. Horn at oh. South Carolina. A big, long press corner at 6'1", 200 pounds. He's a little grabby. He's a little physical, but I think that plays to his advantage. He's going to fit right in uh, with a nice press corner pedigree with the Denver Broncos. Need to get younger on the outside. Need to get faster. Need to get tougher. Need to get more turnovers. I think that's what J.C. Horn's going to bring to you. Mm. Interesting. I, I, I'll go, I'm not going to be or I'm not going to lie here. Uh, I was expecting you to go a different direction. And so I had a pick earmarked here for the Washington football team. And look, when you look at what they've done in the draft over the last couple of years, there has been a definite trend towards power five talent. So guys from big schools, Ohio state, Alabama, uh, you know, I think, you know, Virginia tech, you know, they, they've dipped in. So a lot of the big power five schools, Age certainly matters. They definitely prefer younger guys. And the other thing that really stands out to me, just looking at their draft history over the last couple of years, they're putting a big priority on guys that produce, whether it's over the course of their career, you know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, you know, Cole Holcomb, Jimmy Moreland, Jordan Brailford, all these guys produced at a very high number, Antonio Gandy-Golden. Uh, then there are guys that just posted like elite production over the course of one year. You look at Bryce Love, Antonio Gibson. So Guys, I'm going to go a little shocking here because I feel like everybody would say, oh, well, quarterback makes a lot of sense. And Trey Lance certainly does. But I, I, I think they really have put a, lot, a big priority on the bigger schools. I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. They just continue to keep scooping up. These Alabama players, they need, a receive, they need receiving help. I think you look at uh, the production that he has done over the course of his career, he checks a lot of boxes for the Washington football team. So I'm going to let Trey Lance slide, and I'm going to go here uh, with Devontae Smith and take him off the board. 
Wow. That's uh, him and McLaurin would be fun. That, that would be a fun combo. Two smallish receivers who are just good luck covering those two guys. That I mean, that, that, regardless of who's at quarterback, that uh, sign me up for that. I, I was actually surprised. I thought you might go Pitts and give him mm. a little more size uh, in Washington because that's they're, they're missing size at, at pass catcher, but I, I like that fit. Pitts. I thought for sure you'd find the left tackle of the future. They need yeah. a couple things on an offensive side. Pitts checks a lot of the boxes. Uh, there were a few guys that like, I was like, oh, I think this could be it. But dude, Devontae Smith just checks like way too many boxes. Like they just they are just scooping up Alabama players left and right. Well, you know, waiver wire, free agency, trades, and then obviously through the draft. Uh, I'm going to keep the trend going with Devontae Smith. All right. Well, this is we're we're still on Trey Lance watch. Then uh, yeah. when you talk about Washington, Detroit, Chicago, San Francisco coming up here right in a row. Uh, so with the lions, you know, we don't know, we don't know what's going to happen with the front office, with the coaching staff. There's a lot of uncertainty and that means that we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback, but you know, we saw Matthew Stafford, uh, on Sunday, this guy can still play. Uh, and with the lions wide receiver depth chart about to be wiped out this off season, uh, unless they use franchise tag or, uh, re-sign some of these guys, they're going to need to replenish uh, wide receiver depth chart. So, Let's throw Jalen Waddle in there. Uh, you know, he's the third wide receiver off the board in this scenario. Uh, he is obviously out right now because he's hurt, but he's just an instant playmaker. Um, and he, I think he showed this year that he's more than just a – more just an athlete. Um, he can win at all three levels. Uh, there's, there is some nuance to what he's doing out there, and he's not just trying to beat everybody with speed. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I think, uh, would be a, a fun weapon to throw there in Detroit. Dane Waddle or Ruggs coming up? Who would you rather have had? That's that's a good question. I mean, I I think I I like. I think I have a little more belief in Waddle as a. I think I've seen more from him uh, at the college level in terms of being a more complete receiver, which I didn't think I would. uh, Just watching these guys over the summer, but in the what four or five games that we saw Waddle uh, this year, uh, he really sold me. So I, I think I would lean Waddle, which, uh, I'm not sure I would have said that over the summer. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And he outproduced Smith, uh, when they're all both healthy, it was Waddle, yeah. but played right into my hands here at Chicago, Trey Lance fall or whatever ends here. Yep. They're desperate, probably going to be a new coach, new front office, hit reset, get a QB to develop there. Uh, I think it's going to be Trey Lance. So the J.C. Horn pick from a couple of picks ago really kind of threw me for a loop because I really had him earmarked here uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. They want tough, competitive guys. Uh, you know, J.C. Horn checks that box. You know, John Lynch, I know he loves guys with NFL bloodlines. Yeah, check that box. They've got no corners uh, under contract for 2021. Check that box. But, man, I just don't know if I feel great about any of the corners that are left fitting the scheme that's there uh, in San Francisco. I just don't know if I, I love the fit there. So I'm going to go away from that. I think I'm going to go to the edge. I think I'm going to go to uh, give them another pass rusher. Obviously, you lose to Forrest Buckner uh, last year. You, you supplement that by drafting Javon Kinlaw. Nick Bosa is there, obviously, and D. Ford is there, but I feel like they like him more in kind of a situational role. I'm going to, I think I'm going to go Greg Rousseau here and, and give them mm. a young guy uh, to kind of put on the other side of Nick Bosa, really kind of beef up 
that defensive line. They lo- they prefer guys that uh, have that athletic background. They don't mind guys with small sample sizes. If you look at the, the drafts under John Lynch, they've taken a lot of one-year starters, guys that uh, you know maybe haven't put a ton of tape out there. But the, if the tape is good, they will take they will jump at it. Uh, I'm going to jump here uh, on Greg Rousseau to play opposite Bosa uh, with D Ford there already uh, in tow. I'm going to go with Greg Rousseau to the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. I like it. Uh, I this is this is my way of stalling because that's who I was going to take next. Um, no, because I, I, I no, I, I think he would have been a great fit in, in yeah, Arizona. Arizona's Arizona's next, and you know we're so you know maybe he's got that length that you know Chandler Jones has, and nope. they'd love to add another guy like that. So because Arizona, they need pass rush help. Uh, you know, I think they're. They haven't had much since Chandler Jones went out. So the question here becomes, okay, do you go with your next best, best pass rusher, which, you know, comes down to who do you like between Owe or, you know, Joseph Osai or Audrey Larry or, you know, are any of those edge prospects good enough here? Or are we going to plan B, which could be somewhere else, which, <laughs> uh, man, uh, are we going to let Kyle Pitts fall this far? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Arizona, they don't need necessarily more offense, but I don't know. Give me Kyle Pitts here. I mean, he, he could be your big receiver. He could be your tight end. Uh, You know, I don't, he's not a bum as a blocker, but that's not why you're drafting him. You know, you're you're drafting him because he's a playmaker as a tight end. And uh, you know, if he can be, if he can grow to be Darren Waller, well, shoot that Arizona offense, uh, you know, good luck covering all those guys. It's, Give Kyler another weapon and let's have fun. I like yeah, it. Starting a 220 pound tight end right now at Arizona anyway. So that's a good point. Block. Yeah. yeah. They're not afraid of that. Uh, I think that'll be an interesting one is Dane. I know you're on the clock again uh, with new England. I'll give you a, a second here to stall. I think it's been interesting so far just to see, um, you know, obviously a little bit, a couple surprises here with Trey Lance falling outside the top 10, uh, falling to number 13, uh, Greg Rousseau going a little bit later, I think than some people would have, would have imagined. A lot of talented players uh, still on the board here. Still only one offensive lineman off the board. Uh, we've only got two or three. We've got three corners off the board, all going in the top ten. Uh, we've got all the, the big quarterbacks, all the big name quarterbacks so far uh, off the board. We'll see if that changes here. But Dane, uh, I'll let you get things off here as we start towards the uh, the sixteenth pick in the New England Patriots. Yeah, and I just you know screwed myself because I was going to take Pitts here and, uh, <laughs> for the Patriots. So, uh, you know, and with the Patriots, you're looking at, uh, you know, they, they need a lot of help on defense at every level. You could see them adding depth uh, on offense. Uh, maybe this is where, uh, you know, where Sean Slater could come off the board. You know, we've seen, you know, Isaiah Wynn was another one of those, uh, you know, lacked length, but Patriots don't care. They'll take them and play them at tackle can also play inside, you know, with, uh, we don't know where on way his, his long-term position is going to be inside or outside. Uh, so offensive line's pretty appealing here. Uh, or we could see them go, uh, maybe go cornerback, uh, you know, long-term there, not sure what it's going to be. Uh, you know, Stefan Gilmore, if he's going to stay there. Um, so what about, let's go Darian Kendrick, who I think mm. is just kind of scratching the surface of what he's going to be. A uh, former five-star wide receiver who's just, uh, you know, there's what, three three corners off the board so yep. far? Kendrick's the best athlete. The, the light bulb's illuminating more and more for him as, we, as he gets more under his belt. So, uh, you know, I think this is an appropriate place for him in, in the first round. Patriots get better at cornerback. 
I like it. Yeah, and he certainly looked, certainly looked athletic on that defensive touchdown uh, this past week against uh, Virginia Tech. Mike, uh, you're next up here with Baltimore as we start the second half of the first round. All right, the Ravens, this one might be a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to go okay. love secondary help. They keep trying to replenish their safety. Been an issue ever since um, you know, Earl Thomas, whatever with him. I'm going to go Trayvon Morrick at safety. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve safety. Nice. He fits what they like in terms of very physical. He's 6'2", uh, over 200 pounds, leads college football, leads all safeties and pass breakups this year again. Uh, just really good ball skills for a guy that size and rare movement skills. So I feel like for a guy that size, the safety position. I like it. All right. Well, I'm the only one of this group that I don't think has studied uh, Trayvon Morrig. Dane, uh, what do you what do you think? You like uh, Morrig on the back end of Baltimore's defense? Yeah. You know, when I was doing my mock, he was right on the edge of, uh, you know, I'd like to get him in here in the first or, you know, I, but so in the top 20, uh, you know, it, I think it's a little bit earlier than you know, we usually have been seeing him go, but I, I like it. I mean, I think it's a fit with, we know how much Baltimore uh, prides themselves on, you know, the defensive backs, uh, especially at safety and Morg with his, his play profile. Uh, I think that fits what they need. They want rangy players, guys that can affect both sidelines that you can, uh, you know, you can have them creep up. You can have them play a little bit of man. So um, I, I like the fit there. All right, Ben, take us here to 18. Our old friend, Mike Mayock, uh, picking for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, what do you think here for, uh, for Vegas at number 18? Well, we're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball here, and I thought Mike was potentially going to snipe my pick here, and we need to get more athletic and more talented down the middle of this defense. So that's linebacker safety, way too many big plays uh, over the top, struggling to cover tight ends, particularly in the middle of the field. Got to be able to cover the Travis Kelseys for the next, you know, five, eight years in that division. So I'm going to go after Notre Dame's linebacker safety Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who in my opinion is more of a safety than a linebacker. I'm not one that's going to move him to Will linebacker. I want him playing out there in space and matching up against tight ends, turning and running down the seam, great short area quickness and burst in those underneath zones, great contributions in the run game. And at the end of the day, an absolute playmaker and a ball hawk, which that Raiders defense absolutely needs. Not enough big plays being made. And I think, you know, some picks there took safety Jonathan Abram, you know, two years ago in the first round as well. I think there's a little bit to be uh, desired with his play on the field. He makes some big plays when he can thump some guys, but his coverage instincts and instincts on the back end uh, need to be improved. Mayock's going to love Awusu Koromoa. I I mean, I – the Notre Dame connection, the fact that no they're question. looking for playmakers yep. on defense, the explosiveness. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love that fit there with uh, uh, with the Notre Dame linebacker in, uh, in Las Vegas. So I love, like, connecting the dots. I think that, that Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa connection connect, uh, connects a lot of dots there. And I'll, I'll take us next uh, with the New York Giants, picking at 19 overall. Uh, to me, you look at Dave Gettleman and the way that he's drafted. Age certainly matters. They like younger players, especially 20, you know, 22 and younger. No real medical red flags for the most part. No, for the most part, no character red flags. I know DeAndre Baker, that was kind of an outlier for Dave Gettleman. Uh, you know, no real toughness red flags. They love height, weight, speed guys. They like size. They like uh, you know, guys with straight line speed. To me, I look at this group and I say, all right, who are the needs for this Giants football team? They need receiver help, I think, especially guys with size. So, like, Rashad Bateman, to me, makes a lot of sense here. You look along the offensive line, we know he loves his hog mollies. Who are the guys that kind of fit that profile? I think Landon Dickerson makes some sense here from Alabama. I'm not going to go along the O-line. You look at what they need pass rush help. I think Boogie Basham makes a ton of – like, to me, like – 
was a, one of the runner-ups for me uh, for Dave Gettleman here as a, a big guy that's got some versatility. He fits that defense, I think, coming off the edge. I'm not going to go boogie bash him. Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, I think he really fits that defensive scheme because of his versatility. He could wear a lot of hats there for Patrick Graham. I think he perfectly fits there. That being said, I think from a personnel standpoint, the biggest need for this New York Giants football team, outside corner. They were able to pick up Isaac Yadam from uh, Denver. They picked him up off waivers. He's been starting there, but they put a lot of draft capital into that position over the last couple of years for a reason. I think when you look at uh, the, this defensive staff here in New, in, uh, in New York, you, you get some guys on the outside here with some size, some toughness. They've certainly prioritized that uh, under Joe Judge. Where did Joe Judge work? He worked at Alabama with Nick Saban, a guy that he was on that st- same staff with, Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, now the head coach of Georgia. That's where they plucked their first-round pick last year in uh, Andrew Thomas. They're going to go back to the Bulldog well this year. They're going to go to Tyson Campbell, the big corner from Georgia. Uh, that's the pick there for the New York Giants. You're before that, too, DeAndre Baker. That's a good point. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. I love the the twists and t- turns there. I just, just remind, <laughs> if I ever need directions, I'm not calling you. Uh, I never knew what position he was going to stop on. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, I, I know that I've got to buy time so you guys can, you know, like figure out who else you uh, you like for your next team. So I'm trying to uh, take us on a little bit of a journey here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Uh, Mike, Much you're up next. Yeah, exactly right. Mike, uh, you're up next here with the Minnesota Vikings. All right, Minnesota Vikings, no real secret where they need defensive line, maybe offensive line as well. But I know Rick Spielman loves long athletes on the edge. Uh, He hasn't been exceptional this year, but there's no denying that he's a long athlete. Jason Owe from Penn State, I think the freakish tools, he's only kind of scratching the surface of what he's got. Mm. I like that fit. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially when you look at uh, the kind of guys they have typically brought in. I think Jason Oway certainly uh, kind of fits the bill there. Uh, Dane, take us to number 21, Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, and I, I think I would have uh, – Oway's the guy I was heavily considering here uh, for Tampa Bay. Um, so, you know, kind of a, a pencil throw when you see that name come off the board. But I think this is a class <laughs> with some pretty talented edge rushers uh, in the back half of round one. And so with – you know, Shaq Barrett's a pending free agent. Pierre Paul, uh, you know, is uh, on the wrong side of 30, entering the final year of his deal next year. Let's add some more pass rush help uh, for Tampa Bay. And I think I'm going to go with Joseph Osai uh, from Texas, who uh, just wind him up, let him go. Uh, the competitive motor, uh, it, it, that equates to production. He's just a, a fun player to watch uh, hunt the quarterback. So Osai to Tampa Bay. Uh, be part of that defense. Well, Dane, I really screwed you here because I put you on the clock twice in a row uh, yeah, on, right. for two different sets of picks. So uh, you're up next here with the Miami Dolphins. They've already made a selection uh, by selecting wide receiver Jamar Chase. So they've struck gold there in the top 10. Interested to see who you've got them taking here at 22 as I continue biding time for you as you uh, ponder this selection. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> you're a pro's pro. Uh, so, like, with Miami here, uh, we saw them go – we had three first-round picks last year, uh, and I think they, they're they very happy with those three uh, right off the bat. And they already – they got their playmaker in, at the earlier first-round pick. I think in the back half now – Let's go. Uh, let's go defense uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and, and let's go with a guy who you mentioned earlier, Fran, uh, Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. I think he's just a perfect fit 
uh, for Brian Flores in that defense, yep. uh, playing playing a lot of Sam, uh, but he can do some different things. You know, six three two sixty with movements like that, you just don't see it very often. So uh, I don't know that he has like an immediate fit. Uh, you know, next year as a rookie. But he's a guy that you're going to work into the mix, into the rotation, and then you know by uh, 2022 he's he's your starter. Uh, so Zayvon Collins, uh, the this guy's got a you know if Zach Wilson's the biggest riser this year. Uh, Zayvon Collins is that guy on defense, and he's got a rocket ship on his back. Just a really fun player who checks the boxes for production, checks the boxes for tape and checks the boxes for the traits. Uh, all three of those things are why he's, uh, he's a 22nd pick here. I like it. I don't have, uh, I don't have many arguments there uh, with your reasoning there for, uh, for that selection. Uh, let's go to the next one here. Uh, ben, you're back up with the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, excited for this one. One of my favorite rosters and coaching staffs in the NFL. Tons of playmakers. Seems like they're just one position away from being a contender for the next 10 years. As much as I wanted to give them an offensive lineman, maybe a Rashawn Slater or an Eichenberg or a Samuel Cosme, I love all those fits in Indy. They need that quarterback of the future for Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni. And I love Kyle Trask down there at Florida. I think he's a great fit for – uh, Frank Reich. And when I watched him, his 2019 tape, and I wanted to see how it reflected to his obviously incredible 2020. Fran, he reminded me a lot of Carson Wentz in 2017. Mm. And I see a lot of similarities in how he could kind of plug and play in that offense with some of the RPO stuff, his toughness to kind of extend plays subtly. It's just general toughness to like block defenders and end around plays and, you know, certain aspects like that. I love his mental makeup, his size, every bit of six foot. Four, two, three, five, forty. Act and he can layer throws all over the defense. I think that's a great marriage between Frank Reich and Kyle Trask. So it's what two years in a row the Colts are going to draft a slow-footed quarterback with uh, Eason last year and, and and Trask this year. Yeah, Eason was more of the sideshow to throw over the moon. I think we got. I think we have a real project piece here with Kyle Trask to be a uh, you know a quarterback and a face of the franchise for the next ten years. Mm. I can see that. I can see that. Let's uh, let's get to the next pick. And I've got back to back here uh, picks here, guys. So um, at twenty four, I've got the Tennessee Titans, and there's no secret. I mean, really, it's been one of the most talked about position needs, uh, really, in the NFL this year, and that's the Titans looking for help off the edge, looking for some source of pass rush. My guess is, throughout the course of this offseason, in free agency, through trades, whatever it is, they're going to find a guy that can help rush the passer, but. It's going to help you if you can go and get a guy in the draft as well. And when I look at who is left, a lot of the big names are off the board, right? And so uh, when I look at this, I'm like, all right, this now becomes a two-man race for me. One is an edge rusher. One is a non-edge rusher. The non-edge rusher is a guy that I feel that the Titans are going to get more info on really than anybody, and that's Ohio State cornerback Sean Wade. He's got inside-out versatility, which Mike Vrabel is going to love. Remember, Kerry Coombs, who was the D-backs coach down in Tennessee, he's now the defensive coordinator, back with the Buckeyes. Mike Vrabel, an Ohio State guy through and through, was on that staff. So I think when you look at that, you say, all right, they've got plenty of ties there. So that might be a good thing for Sean Wade, might be a bad thing for Sean Wade. But I think when you look at the value there in the end of round one, that kind of makes sense. That being said, I'm going to go with the guy that just fits the bigger position of need right now for this Titans football team. They're a team that likes uh, height, weight, speed guys. They definitely prefer bigger, more physical guys that can come off, set the edge, and get to the football. I'm going to go Boogie Basham here from Wake Forest. I think it fits the scheme. I think it fits the play personality of Mike Vrabel and that defensive staff. I'm going to go Boogie Basham here 
from Wake Forest. You guys got any uh, any qualms uh, with that selection there? No, oh, I, 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 I'm maybe, uh, I don't think it's too early for him. Um, you know, especially when it, you talk about a team that needs front seven help. Um, you know, I, I, is, is Basham going to give you the sack production that they need? Do you that's see him as that type of player or is he more of your, your base end and a guy that's going to, you know, he, he can, he's not going to hurt you against the run. He's, he's just going to be a really solid starter for you. He reminded me a lot of Rashawn Gary yep. uh, coming out two years ago. Very explosive, a lot of lower body stiffness. I don't think he's ever going to be able to really corner on high side rushes. The guy's going to be a good run defender and just a relentless player and chase plays all over the field. I'm hoping it's a young, explosive mix of Rashawn Gary with an effort and intensity of like a Brandon Graham. Is a high floor, high floor player. And if you think about some of the issues they've had with Isaiah Wilson so far this year, uh, you know, maybe say, all right, we're going to go away from that. We'll go for a guy that we just feel really good about his ability uh, to kind of step in and, you know, and, and play right away and be a, be a pro's pro. I kind of feel like certainly uh, Basham is one of those guys uh, down at Wake Forest. So uh, I'm going to go with the next pick here. And I've got the New York Jets once again, 25th pick. They've got this, this selection from uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Jamal Adams trade. So when I look at the Jets, obviously you take Trevor Lawrence first. This becomes a three-man race for me. Would you like a weapon to complement, to pair with Trevor Lawrence? They like production up there in New York with Joe, Joe Douglas. They prefer guys that produce at a high level. And all three of these guys produce at a high level for me. I'm going to continue to address the offense. I think you look at wide receiver Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, I think makes a lot of sense. You know, I think when you look at uh, you know, Joe Douglas, that's the kind of player I feel like he would be able to uh, – that he would you know, like to pair with a Lawrence. You look at Travis Etienne. The running back from Clemson has done nothing but produce during his time at Clemson. And you like to, you know, bring those two teammates, keep those guys together, keep the tag team together. I am going to go, though, with a position. I know Joe Douglas, they want to build up the trenches. They want to continue beefing up the offensive line. And, Dane, I know you're going to be upset. I'm taking your boy. I'm taking Rayshon Slater, uh, the offensive lineman from Northwestern. I think it makes a lot of sense here because the Jets, they're just trying to plug holes right now uh, on this roster. You want to build up the trenches. Don't make the same mistake that others have had about not protecting the franchise quarterback in his first year, second year. You already got Mekhi Becton at left tackle. Whether Slater plugs in at right tackle or one of the guard spots, you know you've got a future starter. The versatility is there. He's a longtime starter. I know Joe Douglas will appreciate a guy like Rayshon Slater. I think that, that pick makes a lot of sense there for the New York Jets. It's still the draft so far, uh, e- easily in my mind. I mean, that's, uh, that's a home run. And, yeah, he, he has right tackle experience at Northwestern. But, you know, he right now he's working out, uh, also taking snaps uh, at center. Uh, yep. he's, he's, he's practicing, doing reps at guard. So I think he does give you realistic versatility, and that's exactly what the Jets need on the offensive line. And drafting the quarterback first and then getting him some help with Becton already in the fold, uh, love that pick. Is this going to be one of these years where 25 picks in, it's another deep offensive tackle class, it's really just the second offensive lineman off the board, and Slater might even be moving inside. It's just one of those years that that group is so deep, everybody kind of passes on because you, there's so much value on day two. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, last year was the opposite, where we saw, what, five going to top 20, uh, which is rare, five tackles. Uh, this year, uh, you know, it, it could happen where we only have one tackle or one offensive lineman going the top 
15, 20 picks. Uh, and then we start to see that run. That, that wouldn't be surprising. Or some really good tackles that are going to go to some Super Bowl playoff teams that are going to run those picks up to the counter if they see Samuel Cosme or Eichenberg or Darisaw sitting there in the 30s. I think it's great value. But sitting here at Jacksonville Jaguars, I want more talent in the backfield. James Robinson's really been holding the ship this year, being an undrafted free agent. They have a couple things behind the scenes, Ryquell Armstrong. But we need more threats in the backfield, not only to – have speed and playmaking, uh, you know, running the ball, but in the pass game as well. I'm going to go right for Clemson running back Travis Etienne. And I think he has a great mix of being able to contribute in the pass game as well, in the screen game, maybe some angle routes and down the field. But he has inside-outside versatility as a runner. The production, getting into the end zone, is obviously uh, at an incredible rate with the University of Clemson. Just more players that are threatening. You need more good football players in this locker room, good people, good kids in that locker room. I think getting a Zach Wilson uh, with the second pick and then uh, turning around and getting a running back mate in that backfield is just adding more threats to the defense. Mike, I know you guys are big fans of ETN, but do you think this is too early to take a running back? Uh, how do you see that pick? ETN's just – he's a different – He's different than any other of the running backs you're going to get in this class, wow. I think. As long as, you know, since Journey Brown uh, had to retire. There's no real true home run, true big play threat. Obviously, we don't know what Jacksonville's going to run offensively, but if you're running an offense that's going to consistently get your running back out in space, I, I, I'm still going to say it's probably too early for us in terms of, like, the value, but I'm not going to hate if, like I said, if you're going to utilize them, kind of how Clemson's utilizing this year in the passing game and getting the ball in his hands. Like I said, there's not anyone else in this class that can replicate what he can do, in my opinion. I like it. All right, well, yeah. uh, let's go to uh, let's go to the back to the AFC East here. Dane, uh, take us to the Buffalo Bills at 27. Well, I, I think this the the easy part is I know you know where I'm going. I'm going the offensive line. You look at the, this Bills offensive line; they could use some help. You know, Mitch Morse. You don't know what his long term future is dealing with the concussions. Um, uh, Cody Ford uh, has been okay and he's on injured reserve right now uh, Feliciano, Daryl Williams those guys are uh, headed to free agency so there's, there's a lot of uh, holes that might need to be uh, filled this offseason so now the question, the hard question is okay which one am I going with? You know, Ben alluded to just the offensive line depth at this point in the draft um, you know I would love I would have loved to have Slater there that's not ha going to happen with him uh, going off the board at the Jets so you know Wyatt Davis from Ohio State uh, you know certainly in, in play here um, you know Christian Darrisaw who I, he, he's my number three tackle but I think he'd be just a stud guard as well so I think he has a little bit of versatility I think I'm going to go Elijah Vera Tucker here, though, uh, who is a versatile player, uh, played guard. And I, he was a second-round guard based off last year's tape. This year at left tackle, he's just playing out of his mind. He's been playing really well. I still think he's probably best inside uh, at, at a guard position uh, or one of the interior line positions. But I think what he's done this year shows he can kick out and play tackle uh, if you need him to. So Elijah Vera Tucker here at 27. I'm feeling great about that value. I love it. All right. Well, Mike, uh, we have not heard from you now in eight picks, and you've got two of the next three. You're on the clock now with the uh, with the Cleveland Browns. All right. It's not going to be the sexiest picks, and I don't know if the newly minted analytics front office is going to love it, but I'm going to go linebacker here. I'm going to go Nick Bolton, Missouri. Uh, 
not the best. Dylan Moses is a better athlete. I mean, Dylan Moses, like I said, would turn heads a little more. But I think, I think Nick Bolton's just a rock solid linebacker. Could you know can thump in the run game. Uh, I think he just sees the game a lot better at this point than a guy like Dylan Moses. And I think he's a plug and play kind of guy from day one. Interesting hopper linebackers out there in Cleveland with Jacob Phillips being a third round pick. Mac Wilson, I think, has some ability. Malcolm Smith, obviously the veteran. Sione Taki Taki. A lot of bodies in there. Really have to figure out who's going to be those cornerstone pieces of the future. I think Bolton is a stud. I just feel, I oh, feel like he's going he's to be a three down player uh, once he gets to the NFL. He is, he is a lot of fun to watch. He's just uh, going to fit in that AFC North, too. No, just oh, cold, no cold games, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Baltimore. It's going to be some great, great hits in December there. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me if he goes higher, too, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's going to get killed when he steps up at the combine and the arm length is, you know, 31 inches or 30 and a half or whatever it ends up being. But this guy just, just, it's kind of like Slater. Just watch the tape and try not taking this guy uh, somewhere in the top 25 pick. So, yeah, I think for, in Cleveland, you know, for their front office, they're, I thought they did this a lot in last year's uh, draft where it, it, you know, they, they made some surprising picks, maybe that were a little bit against the analytics, but they were just so surprised to see a Nick Harris fall as far as he did. Or, uh, you know, some of these other guys that they just said, okay, this is too good to pass up the value, so we're going to take them. And this could be one of those situations. Yeah, they let, they let the draft come to them uh, for sure yep. last year. Harrison uh, Bryant. Yep, uh, they, when they took uh, Grant Delpit as well in the second round. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that was a great example of that as well. Uh, ben, you're on the clock here, 29, Green Bay Packers. Going to break the trend of the Packers, finally putting a wide receiver in the first round. I think it's been 15 years or so since they took Javon Walker way back when. But it's about time we added some uh, some first-round talent around Aaron Rodgers for a couple more years, depending on uh, how long he is. he's got left in green and gold. But just a matter of what receiver are we in the market for? Is it a big red zone guy like Terrace Marshall? I love Rashad Bateman. But I feel like he's too similar to Devontae Adams. We're looking for a complementary skill set. So I want one of these gadget guys. I think Elijah Moore, Amonra St. Brown are kind of day two guys. Thinking Kadarius Toney. But I'm going with Rondell Moore at the University of Purdue. Ran official 4-3-3 coming out of high school. One of the most prolific run-after-catch yak producers in college football. Was only healthy for that one year, 2018, but was as prolific a season as any receiver we've seen. I know Jamar Chase and then uh, Devontae Smith have put up pretty impressive seasons since, but Rondell Moore is that guy that's going to kind of plug into that former Randall Cobb role, that Packers offense, being a slot receiver, the jet motions, the end arounds, easy offense, get the ball in his hands, let him do the work. I think it's a great fit for Matt LaFleur's offense. I'm just glad that you took him so that Mike didn't take him for the Chiefs next. Because if he did, I mean, that's just like, <laughs> it's not even fair. Uh, I do. I actually had Rashad Bateman penciled in. I thought as soon as you said, oh, wide receiver, I'm like, oh, he's going to take Rashad Bateman. But I, I love him. And I, I just think his skill set is too yep. much like Devontae Adams. I'm looking for a little bit more of a diverse kind of a profile to counter. I think your justification for that pick uh, made a lot of sense for sure. Uh, well, Mike, as I alluded to, you are uh, up on the clock, sir, with the Kansas City Chiefs at 30. Yeah, I'm seriously debating Kadarius Tony here just because <laughs> that, would, that would be a turn. You can take that offense to the moon. But I do think a little more sound long-term investment here. Build up offensive line, get a guy who can start inside, be your tackle of the future. So I'll go Christian Derrissaw, Virginia Tech, offensive tackle. I like yeah, it. I love that. Yeah, because I, I do think Derrissaw with – I mean, he's, he's such an ass kicker as a guard. 
And then, yeah, kick him out of tackle. He can, he's got the balance where he can uh, hold up in space. So, yeah, it's, I like that fit a lot. I think it makes uh, a lot of sense in terms of uh, that position fit there. New Orleans uh, on the clock, 31. We're almost out of the first round, guys. Uh, ben, uh, take us through the New Orleans Saints here. I think this is one of the more interesting uh, selections in the first round. Just a very veteran team. They're contenders, obviously. Can go a number of directions. They're aging in some spots uh, coming up on you, particularly in the back end. But the position on the back end that I think is very inconsistent is that nickel spot. And I think an Elijah Molden out of the University of Washington Ooh. is a much better player than some of his draft slots and kind of projections. He's the best nickel in the country. He's a great blitzer. He can erase all these slot receivers and man coverage. He's tough. And I think he would give every bit of uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson a run for his job, which I think the Saints are uh, wearing a little bit thin with his play on the field. So I think Elijah Molden, whether it's the Saints or somebody else in the back end of round one here, I think is the best nickel corner in the class if you need one. I like it. I think that he fits. Having watched a lot of the Saints over the last week or so, I think he certainly fits that play. And Fran, we've seen a lot of different bodies in nickel there, whether it's PJ Williams, Patrick Robinson, you know, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I just think they need a little stability there. I think Elijah Molden would bring it. I like that. To Mac Jones there, Ben. (laughs) I think there's a there's a couple of Mac Jones style of quarterbacks they might be able to grab on day two or maybe even day three. Interesting. That's the direction I went in my mock. I just. You know, I think even though he's so average physically, I think he'd be a great fit in that offense with his understanding of timing, his understanding of ball placement, uh, his ability to work the pocket. Uh, I I do really like that fit. I mean, I I like him a lot more than not, maybe not a lot more, but I like him better than Kyle Trask. But it's it's an interesting discussion with Mac Jones because the physical the physical traits are so average and he plays in a situation where it's so hard to remove him from all the, the elite supporting cast. But at some point, we just got to give him credit for making the reads, making the throws, and just just executing. And that's what he does. And so I, I, he's not going to be a great fit for a lot of teams uh, in the first round. Not the same, certainly. He's slow and steady. I'm kind of thinking they might go for a little higher variance on day three, maybe a Desmond Ritter or a Kellen Mond to try to, you know, add a little bit more playmaking ability to that offense at the quarterback spot, you know, outside of, you know, Drew Brees and trying to figure out who the who the next is, whether it's Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, or, or moving on to somebody else. So, guys, I'm going to round out the first round here. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm going back and forth here because there are a few guys I'm thinking of. I mean, when you look at who their free agents are, um, you know, Andre Filadueva is the, the left tackle. He's hitting the free agent market. Chances are they're going to bring him back, but – you know, if not, like, could Liam Eikenberg be the pick here? Could Sam Cosme be the pick here? They value versatility. Cosme has proven to play both right tackle, left tackle. They took uh, uh, a Notre Dame player with their first pick last year, obviously. Um, you know, so I think when you look at, you know, Eichenberg, they, you know, the, the pathway is there. I look at the cornerback position. I'm like, all right, like, Asante Samuel Jr., I think, fits the way that they play uh, on the back end. They like guys from football families as well. They talked about that uh, when they took Terrell Edmonds a couple years ago out of Virginia Tech. Uh, Samuel, obviously we know, uh, comes from that football family. I think there are, you know, there's linebackers that make sense. There's other guards that make sense. I've gone back and forth, but I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go Sam Cosby here because he's got the proven versatility. I don't know that I love him in the, in the, uh, in the AFC North and for that style in terms of like powerful people movers, but uh, he's got the proven versatility. He's a guy that can play either left or right tackle. And I don't know that they've got it quite figured out at the right tackle spot necessarily moving forward. I'm going to go uh, Sam Cosme here as my pick for the, uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers to round out round one. So that being said, 
We've now rounded out the first round, but as I said at the top, we are going to cover all 32 teams here uh, for uh, for this mock draft. And the next group or the, the, that did not have a first-round pick, the Seattle Seahawks, the L.A. Rams, the Houston Texans, the Seattle Seahawks would have the first of those three picks, and they are in round two, and I will take uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. There are a few names here that I really kind of thought, all right, this kind of makes sense uh, for this team. I think when you look you know, at what they like, they, lo- they certainly have their prototypes across the board, but I think they still share that same kind of mentality. They love physical, violent players. They want guys that are going to compete. They want guys that are going to come in and, you know, that aren't afraid of taking other people's jobs. Uh, they've got that guy. They don't like guys that are former five-star recruits, overcoming adversity. A lot of different trends that you can go with, uh, with the Seattle Seahawks and Pete Carroll uh, over the course of the last few years. They've got some free agents. Uh, they've got some aging players. I'm ultimately going to go with Trey Smith the left guard for uh, Tennessee. I think when you look at the way that they play, uh, the way that they want to play up front, number one, Mike Upati's our left guard right now. I think that Trey Smith certainly gives you what Mike Upati gives you and more. And I think when you look at guys that have come off, uh, you know, so shown that they can overcome adversity, guys that have that football character that they're looking for, he certainly was that former five-star recru- uh, recruit. There were a couple other guys I was thinking, Najee Harris from Alabama, Justin Ross, I think, from Tennessee, uh, or from Clemson, rather, certainly fits that. I think you look at Justin Ross, with him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I don't even want to think about that uh, in the NFC. Um, there are a lot of guys that I thought about, but Trey Smith uh, from, te- from Tennessee is where I'm ultimately going uh, to slide here for the Seattle Seahawks. So I think it's what, uh, SEC back-to-back years, uh, getting a, a, a hulking guard uh, for the Seahawks on day yep. two with yep. uh, Damian Lewis last year, who's had a pretty solid rookie year. So. Uh, upgrade on the offensive line, something that they haven't done nearly enough. So I like it. Well, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, ben, let's go to uh, the LA Rams. They're a team that obviously do not have a first round pick um, because of the trade for Jalen Ramsey to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, who's a player or two that you've got kind of earmarked for the LA Rams? There's a couple guys. This team has some serious roster holes. They're going to have to spend some money in free agency to address some of these. But uh, particularly on the offensive line, I think we need a left tackle of the future. We need to upgrade our guard spots. That could be Darisaw. That could be Leatherwood. Maybe even a Landon Dickerson. They could really upgrade the center or either guard spots. Just getting better body in that, in that offensive line room. Maybe a Deontay Brown reminds me a little bit of Saffold, that kind of powerful guard that really uh, played well for them in that Super Bowl year. But I was also looking for the quarterback of the defense. I mean, Micah Kaiser was their starter for most of the year. I would love to see Chaz Surratt, if he was available in the second round, be that Mike linebacker for them for the next, you know, decade. He just is a cerebral player. He's athletic, three-down linebacker, tough, lateral range, can turn and run, great blitzer as well. So as much as I like Surratt there, look at this offensive line roster and depth and uh, some serious concerns. I don't even think the draft is enough. They're going to have to take a couple guys in the draft and free agency to keep uh, Jared Goff upright. I like it. Well, Dane, uh, round us out here. Those Houston Texans do not have a first-round pick. They do not have a second-round pick. Who are some guys in round three that you think make sense to this team? Yeah, there's going to be about 70 players off the board uh, before the Texans get to, uh, get to pick here, and they've got a, a ton of needs. They could go uh, interior offensive line, help out Deshaun Watson, uh, they could use a running back. Uh, maybe this is where we see, I mean, I think Najee Harris will be gone, but maybe one of those North Carolina running backs here, uh, Javante Williams or uh, Michael Carter. Um, at corner is also another neat area. I think I'm going to go wide receiver, though. Will Fuller, he's a pending free agent, also dealing with the suspension right now. Kenny Stills is gone. Brandon Cooks, there's no guaranteed money left on his deal. 
let's give Deshaun Watson another weapon. I'm going to go Nico Collins uh, from Michigan, who uh, opted out this year. Uh, he's kind of in that Nikhil Harry mold, uh, a guy that's a good-sized athlete, smooth routes, reliable hands. I, I think he would be get, add a little bit of size to that uh, to that offense, help out uh, Watson at quarterback. I like that's it. Super- <laughs> the Nikhil Harry mold doesn't sound like. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's very fair. But in the third, we're talking third round. Uh, you know, a, a big uh, physical guy that's you know going to run fairly well. Just needs to be a little bit uh, a little. He's not very sudden. I, I think that's the, that's the key with Nico Collins. He's not a sudden player. But uh, I think in the third round, I think that's kind of where his value is. I was kind of eyeing Tylen Wallace. I think Deshaun needs a best friend at receiver. He needs a reliable guy. He's going to catch everything for him, make the jump catches. Doesn't really need the playmaker over the top. He needs a best friend at receiver. I think Tylen Wallace will be right in that ballpark in the third round. And of course, one of those other teams that have a uh, a new coaching a new coaching staff, a new regime in the front office. So uh, a lot of projection there uh, with that selection as well. Well, guys. Uh, this has been fun. We covered all 32 teams. We covered, uh, what, 35 different selections. Um, really appreciate you guys all join, jumping on here uh, for our first live mock draft of the uh, 2020 football season, the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, we'll talk to all of you guys soon. I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. We haven't, haven't, we haven't really done that often uh, on this podcast, but I thought that was kind of fun to be able to just kind of go pick by pick in a live situation with all four of these guys uh, and all go around and make our picks. As a quick refresher, real quick, for those of you that um, you know, would like this, uh, first overall, New York Jets, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, no surprise. Jacksonville Jaguars at number two. Ben Fennell takes Zach Wilson uh, from BYU. Not a huge shock there. There's going to be a lot of discussion about the quarterbacks there at the top of this draft. Number three, Cincinnati Bengals, slam dunk. Oregon left tackle Penny Sewell. That pick was made by Mike. L.A. Chargers, I rounded out. First big surprise, I would say, uh, of this draft, and that's Virginia Tech corner Caleb Farley. I gave my reasoning uh, earlier in the show. Dallas Cowboys at number five, Alabama cornerback Patrick Sertan Jr. Uh, Dane Brugler, obviously very familiar with the Dallas Cowboys. Number six, Philadelphia Eagles take Penn State linebacker, the local kid, Michael Parsons uh, from Mike Renner. Seventh overall, Carolina taking quarterback Justin Fields from Ohio State. Like that pick from Ben there, and I actually wish I made this connection live. Matt Rule, on the same coaching staff at Temple, I was there with Ryan Day. So, you know, there's a you make, you further connect the dots there between Justin Fields uh, going to the Carolina Panthers. Don't rule that out if he were to fall outside the top five. Number eight overall, the Atlanta Falcons taking edge rusher Quiddy Pay from Michigan. Nine overall, the Miami Dolphins taking Jamar Chase. Love that value there for the Miami Dolphins. Good pick there by Dane. Denver Broncos rounding out the top ten with South Carolina corner J.C. Horn. It really upset me because I was hoping that uh, that Horn would fall a little bit later uh, to one of my teams in the top 15. Washington football team uh, taking wide receiver Devontae Smith as I shocked the uh, shocked the group there with the star receiver out of Alabama. Another star receiver out of Alabama going to number 12 to the Detroit Lions, Jalen Waddle. 13th overall, Chicago Bears taking quarterback Trey Lance from North Dakota State. 14, San Francisco 49ers taking pass rusher Greg Rousseau from Miami. That's who I was hoping J.C. Horn would fall to, but uh, that great pick there by Ben allows me to take Greg Rousseau. Arizona Cardinals take tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. New England Patriots at 16 take D.K. Kendrick, the talented corner from Clemson University. And then we've got the Baltimore Ravens at 17. Mike Renner have them taking TCU free safety Trayvon Morig. 
Las Vegas Raiders at 18, taking Notre Dame linebacker safety Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, versatile playmaker on the back seven of that Las Vegas defense. 19 overall, New York Giants taking corner Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Minnesota Vikings at 20, taking Penn State pass rusher Jason Owe. So two Penn State defenders in the top 20 of this draft. 21 overall, the Tampa Bay Bucks selecting pass rusher Joseph Osai from Texas. 22, Miami Dolphins, Dane taking Tulsa linebacker Zaven Collins. Love that scheme fit there uh, for Zaven Collins in Miami. 23 overall, the Indianapolis Colts taking the fifth quarterback of the first round, and that's Kyle Trask out of Florida. Tennessee, number 24, taking Boogie Basham, the pass rusher from Wake Forest. 25th overall, the New York Jets. I had them taking Northwestern's tackle, Rayshon Slater. I think it could fit in a number of different spots along the O-line. Jacksonville Jaguars at 26, taking Travis Etienne. 27, the Buffalo Bills taking USC's Elijah Vera Tucker. 28, Cleveland taking linebacker Nick Bolton. Green Bay at 29, taking the wide receiver Rondell Moore, giving more speed to that offense. Kansas City Chiefs taking offensive tackle Christian Dyershaw from the Virginia Tech Hokies. 31st overall, the New Orleans Saints. Ben, Ben's got them taking Elijah Molden. I like that fit as well down there with the Saints. That's the corner from Washington. The Pittsburgh Steelers round out the first round with Sam Cosme, the tackle from Texas. Three picks outside the first round. I liked Trey Smith uh, there with uh, Tennessee to Seattle. The LA Rams, Ben highlighted a few names, but certainly focusing in on the offensive line there. And then Houston Texans rounding it out. Wide receiver uh, Nico Collins from Michigan. Dane liked there to the Houston Texans. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week's edition of the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. This was a fun episode to do. As always, if you like this, go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. It's the best way to throw us your support as the college football season wages on. We'll be back a little bit later this week with a normal episode. Uh, later in the week, myself, Ben Fenn, Ross Tucker and a special guest. We'll see you next week or later this week right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast driven by AAA.